those hands up right now. We are his vessels. Are you ready for him to pour into you? To invest his spirit into you? Let him know that you can be a good steward. We are stewards of his spirit. do I give my testimony, you know? Because we think our testimony is not crazy like someone has been delivered from, you know. But how God had to put all these pieces together to get me, you know, to this ballpark, you know. We had just moved back from Ohio and we enrolled Chad to play t-ball here at Marietta Bulls Bay. And as I signed him up, um, they asked me if I had any coaching experience and I said you know I'd love to be a coach so we got Chad signed up and they decided I was going to be a head coach and uh, little did I know what God was fixing to do you know I wanted to win 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 so when it comes time to, to grading these little boys I had my own little notepad and I had all the names wrote down and I I graded every boy just for myself because I wanted the best team so we graded the boys and and then the next night we actually had to draft the boys into a team and I remember asking the question you know, could, could I take a C player and they looked at me and they said you know we don't recommend you take a C player um, because we want these teams to be you know about the same in ability I said am I allowed to take a C player and they said you can take a C player 
I remember looking down at my tablet and there was a name on my tablet and the name was Jordan Wiggins and it had a whole bunch of stars on it. And little did I know, but I look back now as that was God's hand directing me to select Jordan Wiggins so that a man by the name of Gary Wiggins would be in my life. So here I am and I was out on this ball field right here coaching little six and seven year olds and uh, I was lost as lost could be, you know. Saul said that he was the chief of centers, but I think I was right beside him. You know, I, I drank every night, I was in the bars. I always had a good heart and I, and I always liked to do for people, but I was, I, was, I was so lost. And I would coach the boys and I really enjoyed it and I, I remember it so vividly that uh, it was after the first game, I went home after the game and the, the telephone rang and, and it was Pastor Gary, but back then it was just Gary. It was Jordan's daddy. I remember I turned the phone and uh, he said, hey, this is Gary, you know, Jordan's daddy. And I just want to tell you, man, I appreciate you coaching my boy. I, want to, I just want to thank you. I said, well, you're, you, know, you don't have to do that. I, you know, I really enjoy coaching the boys. Thanks for calling me. And uh, Pastor Gary was always uh, so friendly to me, and I, I didn't even know he was a pastor. And a couple weeks after that, I was sitting at home, and he called me again, and he just wanted to thank me once again. You know, hey, thank you for coaching my boy. I appreciate it. And I remember hanging the phone up. I remember looking at Tracy. And I said, there's something different about that man. And I didn't know what it was. And now I do. I know that it was uh, the love of Christ that was in him, loving on me, but I didn't know it then. But I knew there was something different about him, and he would always just love on me and encourage me. And, and then I found out that he was a pastor. And uh, God began to work on my heart, and, I, and at the same time, uh, Trinity Baptist had visited the house at the same exact time, and, and it was witnessing to Tracy and Tracy had grown up in a Baptist church as a child. So I still remember that night that I come home, even from T-ball practice, she said, hey, I had some visitors from Trinity Baptist. And she said, hey, I, I want to encourage us that we have to get in church. So God was working all this together and he's got talking to Tracy's ear and Pastor Gary's loving on me. And uh, God started working on my heart. And, uh, and it was right here at this ball field where the Lord told me, I need to get in church and uh, I didn't even know why I need to get in church because I didn't even know what it meant to be saved I was 31 years old and I didn't know the Bible and I didn't even but I, I was standing right there and I, and I know clear as day the Lord was telling me that I need to get in church and I didn't know why so uh, I went home and I told Tracy I said hey uh, we need to go to church and I said hey I know Pastor Gary he has this church, why don't, why don't we go try his church? And uh, so I went down Pastor Gary and I said, Tracy wants to know what kind of church it is. And he said, tell her it's a semi-god. Went back and told Tracy, hey, he said it was a semi-god. She said, we can't go. I said, why can't we go? She said, they're holy rollers. She said, they run down the aisles and they run her top of the pews. I come back and told Pastor Gary, I said, hey, Tracy really doesn't want to visit because she says you guys are holy rollers. I said, she said you guys run up and down the pews and you scream and holler. And he's like, no, come visit with me just one time. One time. But I know that he invited me to church and I'm, and I'm going to go to church. And I still remember the first Sunday that I showed up and Pastor Cecil was preaching. And I remember I was mesmerized by his sermon. And um, I didn't go down front 
to say the sinner's prayer, but I knew I was mesmerized that night. So that night we went home and we were laying in the bed that night and she began to ask me, she said, um, she said, are you saved? And I remember looking at her and I said, saved from what? what? What is it you want me to be saved from? She said, if you were to die tonight, she said, would you go to heaven? And I still remember telling her, I said, hey, you, you know I'm gonna go to heaven, you know? I got a good heart, I'm a good person. She says, no, that's not how you get to heaven. And Tracy began to, to speak to me how to get saved. And uh, it all started coming together. I knew I had to get saved. So the next day I called Pastor Gary and, and he laughs now, but he, he's probably laughing then. So I called him up and I said, hey, Pastor Gary, I said, uh, I said, I need to make an appointment with you. He says, what you need? I said, I think I need to come in and get saved. And uh, he says still to this day that I'm the first person that's ever made an appointment to come into the church to get saved. But I remember me and Tracy went in the next night and uh, it was before their Wednesday night service. And I remember sitting in his little office and I remember saying the sinner's prayer. And I remember, I, I remember becoming a new creation. But it was all because one man saw a lost sinner and loved on him and got him to the house of God and God did the rest of the work. What a powerful testimony of how Jesus works to love on lost people. Amen? To see Dean and Tracy and life transformation, family transformation, all because Jesus is interested in people. Amen? T-ball games can become a great place of relational evangelism. I still remember sitting in those stands and thinking, that's a good coach. That's a good man. He'd make a great disciple for Jesus. There are people all around our lives, each and every day, that would make wonderful disciples for Jesus Christ. People that the Holy Spirit's already working on. They're watching. They're looking. They're seeking. And we need to show them Jesus. Before our text in Luke chapter 19, when Jesus goes into Jericho, and I want you to turn to that passage. But before he goes into Jericho, he tells the story of a man on his way to Jericho. And he tells the story of the, the Jewish man who's headed to Jericho, and before he gets into Jericho, thieves beat him, strip him, and rob him. And leave him wounded and for death. And a good Samaritan happens by. Religious folk pass on the other side. Too many times we're unwilling to stop and pause and allow the Holy Spirit to show us what can be God moments for people. A phone call. A conversation that God wants to use to impact generational. And a man is headed to Jericho. On his way there, he's beaten and robbed and left for dead. And the religious folk pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, 
Understand the ethnic background here. The Jews did not like the Samaritans, and the Samaritans had nothing to do with the Jews. But a Jewish man is laying beaten along the road to Jericho, where Jesus is about to enter. And Jesus points out that a Samaritan of another ethnicity stops by, picks this man up, bandages him, gets him to an inn to keep him and take care of him till he could be on his way in life. And Jesus goes into the same city, Jericho. Now, I want you to look at the map with me that we have on the screen here. And Jericho is located, here we have the Dead Sea, here we have the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to get a point of reference so I can hold this thing a little more steady. And, well, that's not helping. Anyway, <laughs> that's such a long distance and such a small map. But Jesus is right in this area of the Jordan. He is on a mission headed to Bethany. You have a road here that goes right from Jordan River up to Jerusalem. Bethany is located right outside of Jerusalem. It's on the backside of the Mount of Olives. Jesus is on a mission. He's already got his day's task lined out. I want to remind you that as you line out your day, you plan out your day, there may be some God moments involved. He's headed to Bethany because there's a man dead. And he's about to resurrect that man. Lazarus is dead. He's been summoned. He's down on the, on the Jordan River. And he's called to go to Bethany. And Jesus passes through Jericho on the way to Bethany. As you're in your day-to-day -day routine, as you're passing through life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there ought to be some God moments and God opportunities. He passes through Jericho in Luke chapter 19. Verse 1, he enters into the city. Come on, everyone, look at verse 1. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief among the publicans. Jesus dared go into a cursed city. I want everyone to understand this. Remember, Jericho was the first city of conquest. Joshua led the people across the same Jordan River in the same vicinity, and the first city of conquest was Jericho. God said, I want that city, and that city was to be desolated and destroyed. Jericho was destroyed, and Joshua speaks a curse that no man ever rebuild the city. It's worth your Bible study to go and look at who rebuilt the city and what happened. But Jericho was rebuilt. I'm headed somewhere. Joshua had destroyed it. It was a city of conquest. But Christ, centuries later, walks into a city that had been cursed and destroyed and rebuilt. And he brought honor by honoring it with his presence. I am here to declare on this second Sunday of March that the gospel still takes away the curse. The devil has cursed mankind and sought to bring all kinds of curses. But friends, the gospel still removes the curse that the devil seeks to bring. And Jesus is headed to Bethany. He's on a mission. He's got to get to Lazarus' home. 
Martha and Mary are there. And Lazarus has died. He's on a mission. But he passes in route through Jericho. In his day activity of headed to Bethany, he encounters the head tax man. The tax man cometh. It's March. Amen. It's that time of year so we can all relate. Now he is the head publican. Not, as, not only is he over Jericho, but the, the commentary suggests that he is over the entire district, the region for the Roman Empire. He is the chief among many other publicans. And the Bible says that he was very rich. He had ill-gotten gains as a tax collector. He was a sinner. We know this from the scriptures. But yet he was curious. There was something in him that was already preparing him, driving him, so that when Jesus comes through the city, he became a seeker. I'm here to declare, friends, we may not always understand it or perceive it, but the Holy Ghost is working always. Amen. Preparing Dean and Tracy, having another church there to be knocking on their door, inviting them and beginning to woo and beginning to prepare the heart and the soil for people to come to Christ because God is not willing that any should perish. Somebody better shout amen. And Jesus passing through Jericho. He sees a man, look at it. This man's name was Zacchaeus. Let's call him Zach. He finds Zach, a chief among the publicans. He was not tall in stature. And so as Zach hears about Jesus coming through the city, curiosity of, of who this man is, curiosity of the miracles that maybe he's been hearing about, curiosity of, of, of the impact that Jesus was having in the region we know about and read about. Something propelled Zach to go ahead of the crowd. I just believe, friends, we're living in an incredible hour of evangelism, and we need to be prepared for the seekers. We need to be prepared for the, those that the Holy Spirit is stirring up. Uh, that's going, God's going to have them in our pathway of life this week. Somebody say amen. So Jesus comes on through the city. And he passes by. Look at verse 4. Zach runs ahead of Jesus and he climbs up in a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Look at the screen with me. I mean, it was something that as Jesus is passing the walkways, these would not be very wide roads through a city, through a village like Jericho. There was no way to miss Zach. But something had caused Zach, his, his own obstacles, his own um, ability to see his own height. I'm telling you, I believe God is using circumstances and God is using things in life to cause people to become seekers and become very curious about the gospel. And Jesus is passing by and he sees Zach up in a sycamore tree. He was to pass that way. Look at verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looks up. Friends, we need to pause enough this week to look around us. While we were in Newark Thursday afternoon waiting for our flight back to Jacksonville, had come in from Israel, some of our ladies began to witness to a businessman that lives in the New York area, a successful businessman. 
And he was in tears and they introduced me to him and I began to witness and share with him. And for over an hour this man was witnessed to. And he shared how that he was headed to Jacksonville to meet uh, for a, a meeting here. I happened to know a strong Christian businessman that was going to be in that same meeting. So I called that businessman up and gave him this gentleman's information. He looked him up. And last night at 9 o'clock, I get a text of the two of them standing together arm in arm. And this friend of mine here in the city told me that I witnessed and shared Christ with him. He got three witnesses just because somebody was available to share Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. To the stewardess. Heavily involved in new age. We were sharing about the power of the gospel. When you don't need the power of things that you put in your hand. She said feel the power from this. That as you hold it. Well I wasn't about to hold it like she wanted me to hold it. Amen. Amen. I know where our power comes from. Glory to God. But I began to talk to her about the power of the spirit of God. And the power of the blood of Jesus. Amen. It's being available when Zach confronts us and he's there in a tree in front of us. And for me, it was seated, seated in, a, in a bleacher looking at a man who was a good man, a good coach, but I just knew he needed Jesus in his life. And Jesus sees a man and he says, Zacchaeus, hey, Zach, come down. I'm headed to your house to sit down with you. I just love Jesus. I love how he just invites himself over. Amen. Hey, Mickey, I'm coming for dinner this week. Amen. Hey, Steve, I'm coming over for some deer meat this week. Amen. I, I'm telling you, this is just how Jesus, he's just walking through Jericho, and he says, hey, Zach, let's go to your house and have some coffee. Evangelism is about you being available as God opens the door and makes opportunities. I believe in relationship evangelism and I believe at God moment evangelism. That as we try to build relationships, I begin to honor something that I saw in a man's life. This guy's a good coach. He knows how to coach. He you know, but the Holy Ghost caused him to take a C player. Preparing the way. Listen, God's already working. You just be the mouthpiece. John Kilpatrick said it last week, and I wrote it down. I don't know if you were taking notes, but I wrote it down. He said, the word is voice activated. Somebody say amen. Start being used of God to open your mouth and talk to people and love on people. And it may be the clerk at, at Winn-Dixie or Publix. It may be the person that you meet. Uh, in, listen, I've prayed for so many people standing in the grocery store. Amen. Laid hands on people. My wife would be sitting out in the car. What took you so long? I, well, I was just talking to some folk. Amen. But I was laying hands on people, praying with people. It's an opportunity to talk to Zach up in the tree. We're so busy that sometimes we miss the God moments when Zach is there before us in the tree and he's been prepared that we encounter Zacchaeus. In that tree, he had a little better vision. 
I believe the Holy Spirit's going to start helping some seekers and some people that need Christ in their life to get a little elevation in their life. Get to where they can see above the fray, see above the crowd. There's so many distractions holding people back. And sometimes you gotta you gotta look above the distract. Well, I was hurt in church. I love to get a hold of those kind of people. That's never a negative to me when somebody says, Well, I quit going to church. I got hurt in church. There's hypocrite hypocrite. Listen, I love that. I love to talk to those kind of people. I've got an answer for them. You know, we've got to keep our eyes focused on Christ. Amen? And we've got to keep our eyes focused on the God-given opportunities that lie before us. In the tree, he had better vision. In the tree, he saw over obstacles. He saw around and over the crowd. He got above the distractions. Climb a little higher. You who are seeking Jesus, get above the fray. Get above the distractions. And look at Jesus coming down the road. Jesus was on course, headed to right where Zacchaeus was. Our ushers are coming right now to give you a little card. And I, all across this sanctuary, don't miss anybody up in the balcony, the galleries under the balcony. But I need plenty of help. I want everybody to have one card and one card only. You see, there's Joe this week. There's Larry this week. There's Susan, Deborah, Ann. There's Angel. There's Mark, Roger, Bob. There are people this week that need you to put this card in their hand and say, would you sit with me next Sunday? There are people that you will meet this week. And I don't mean in a happenstance, light way, but I mean a meaningful conversation. Gallup did research on the unchurched in America. This is a Gallup poll. 60% of the unchurched in America said they would attend if they got a meaningful. It's not just a happen, haphazard invitation, but a meaningful invite to come be with someone. Today we begin, sit with me. How many know somebody that needs to be in church? Come on, be honest. How many know someone that needs to be in church? I want you to take this card this week. And on the back of it, the front of it, it says, Sit with me, Evangel Temple. Gives our website, how they can find us, and then a little map on the back. But I want you to write your name and phone number when you give this to somebody. I asked in the early service how many would do this, and I I think it was 100%. I, I won't say it was, but it sure looked like it. But I'm challenging you, friends. I believe we're called to evangelize the lost. No matter how you read Luke 19, you have to finish up with verse 10. You, you, you can't avoid verse 10. And it says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And the church has become more about so many other things. Yes, they're important. But we've got to be about the lost. We've got to be about the people that are not in church. Zacchaeus says, it's up in a tree. Mary, that you'll meet tomorrow. See this week that you can just spend some time mentoring her and talking and speaking into her life. 
I was privileged to be invited by our mayor Friday morning to go meet and hear Ben Carson. I was so impressed because it, it was almost like every other word that comes out of his mouth, he's quoting scripture, sharing the word of God, sharing his faith. And I thought, what an incredible witness at such a high level in our government of a man that, that loves Christ and his life revolves around being a true testimony for Christ in the marketplace and in the government, roles of government where God has positioned him. I'm telling you, where you go in life this week, God expects us to make a difference for Christ. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. I want to see 500 guests next Sunday as a result of Evangel Temple. Over the last several weeks, there have been so many first-time visitors to the church and that category of first time are pe numbers of those have net, do not have any church background in their life. Zero. I'm telling you, there is a hurting lost world. Two-thirds of Jacksonville, Florida do not have any connection with the house of God anywhere. Two-thirds of this city. And God is calling us to be out there inviting people there came a point in my loving on Dean and sharing with Dean that I invited him to come visit the house of God to come sit with me in church because I know if people can get into where the presence of God is listen I'm not inviting someone to a cemetery I'm inviting someone to where the life-giving power of the Holy Ghost is moving and people can feel the presence of God and know that God is in the transforming business Restoring business, healing business, deliverance business. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. It's not my business to transform them, but when they meet the power of God and the love of God and they get in the presence of God, something begins to happen. Dean called me up after he had got saved. A few days later, he said, Pastor, I, Gary, I need to come talk to you, ask you some questions. I said, well, come on. We set up a meeting. And he came in. He had a long list of things that he wanted to know if he could do or not do. You remember this? He, he didn't know. He didn't know what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do. On that list, can I continue to drink? Was it there? I mean, a whole list of things. I told him, put the list up. I said, I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'm not to tell you what to do and what not to do. What I'm going to tell you to do is get in this book right here. Fall in love with Jesus. And as you fall in love with Jesus, he'll show you what needs to come off our life, what needs to be involved in our life. Get close to Jesus. I'm not here to put a list of do's and don'ts on your refrigerator. I'm here to get you to fall slap happy in love with Christ. I have no idea where that slap happy came from. Hmm. A few weeks later, 
I called Dean in. Now, he's called me to this point. But I said, Dean, you've been saved about two months now. And you need to start serving in the church. If you want to grow, you got to do something. you got to find a place to minister, find a place to serve. I said, we want you to teach Sunday school. He turned every shade of white you could turn. White as a sheet. I, I, I can't teach. I said, I'm not asking you to teach. I want you to do what you can do. I said, you're one of the best coaches I ever met. I want you to coach people. Coach them in the word of God. You can coach. Just go in there and start teaching them how to live these principles out and let Christ change their life. Listen, God's looking for a lot of coaches across the Evangel Temple. Jesus is walking through Jacksonville, Florida. We stood on the Mount of Olives last Sunday night before I watched John Kilpatrick. We're seven hours forward, so we get into Jerusalem. I take him to the Mount of Olives where Christ descends from, and we get out of the bus, and we lifted our hands over that city, and I said, somewhere in this vicinity, probably within a couple of hundred yards, Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. And we lifted our hands over on the Mount of Olives looking over Jerusalem. And we prayed over that city. Listen, Jesus is weeping over Jacksonville, Florida because there's two-thirds of this city not connected to the house of God, not connected to the things of God. Uh, Zacchaeus that's up in a tree. or it, it, may, uh, it may be the person that you meet somewhere in life this week, but there's people that need to know the love of Christ and the forgiveness of the Lord. There's people that have messed up, people that have failed the Lord, people that have allowed things to get in their life. And Jesus wants to offer forgiveness and redemption to them. Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I want the worship team to come back and please no one move. Look at verse 8. Now well, let's go back to verse 7 because you're always going to have some verse 7 people. The religious folk murmured. Oh, it got real quiet right there. The religious folk murmured. The scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Jesus, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing going to Zach's house? He's a sinner. What do you think you're doing going to Zach's house? He's been stealing from people. As a chief publican. We know he has because what he confesses in the next verse. Jesus, what do you think? Listen. Don't worry about what the religious people say. God knows how to take care of murmurers. Just sit back and wait. He'll take care of murmuring. Amen. Verse 8. And I'm going to close. And I want the worship team up here. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord. The half of, here's how you know he really got redemption. He got right because he's willing to give away part of his wealth. The half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation. You see, as a tax collector, as a publican, they could falsely identify 
the amount of goods and resources that a person had and taxed them however they felt. And that individual really, the recourse was, was very laborious and it was tough. And many times it was better just to pay the tax than go through, through all of the challenge of trying to confront that. And Zacchaeus testifies, those that I've done wrong by false accusation, I restore fourfold. This day, Jesus says, look at verse 9, I want everybody to stand now. This day, salvation has come to your house. You see, not only did Zach get saved, but Zach's family got saved. I'm telling you, when dads get saved, families get saved. Mom, when you get on fire for Jesus, it's going to affect your family. I believe children can lead families because that's a prophetic verse concerning the last days. But I believe it needs to start with some Dads that are on fire for Jesus. Dads that get it all right. Get it all worked out. And they know what they're, they're going to do in Christ. And they're going to raise up a generational line of people who serve God. Family, children, grandchildren that are going to have the touch of God on their life. Don't get quiet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus is looking for lost people. We are to be the continuation of the ministry of Christ. I am asking every single person that has heard this message, every single person that has heard your pastor's heart this morning, I am asking you to meaningfully invite one person this week. One person. Meaningfully. Get into their space a little bit. Invite yourself over to their house. Amen. Hey, I'm coming over. Fix me some dinner. Amen. That's, that's just how Jesus did it. Get in their space a little bit. Get in their cubicle. Walk into their life. Stop just long enough so you can see a man up in a tree. Hey, Zach, come down. Let's go have coffee. I, I want to share something that will rock your world, change your life, set your generational on a course of seeing incredible things happen. I believe he's still concerned about the lost and he's concerned about Jacksonville, Florida. Two-thirds of this city need Evangel Temple to come out of here today and to say, sit with me next Sunday. Will you sit with me next Sunday? Will you sit with me next Sunday? One man, one family, that I asked to sit with me has been responsible for so many people coming into the kingdom of God. One family. I asked them to sit with me. Leads the juvenile shelter ministries and all that we're doing in all every one of the juvenile facilities. 
They've even taken the juveniles after they get out into their home to let them live with them. Loving on people, being an extension of Christ. You have what you have for a reason. And God wants you to use that to touch a lost and hurting world. To be a witness for Christ. And to realize Zach is in the tree just waiting for you to pass by. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Church family, you've heard your pastor's appeal that every single person meaningfully invites someone this Sunday. I want 500 guests next Sunday. 500 guests. But I want to appeal to Zach, who's listening to pastor. Zach, listen to me. Jesus is passing your way. Hey, Zach, come down from that tree. You know the Holy Spirit has you listening. The Holy Spirit has you hearing. The Holy Spirit has your attention. And you're seeking something. and Maybe you don't even know what you're seeking. But Zach, I invite you to come meet me at this altar this morning. Hey, Zach, if you're not born again, I invite you to come right now. From all over this sanctuary, up in the balcony, the galleries, the lower floor. Come on, Zach, if you need Jesus in your life, I'm going to step down here. Come meet me. Come, Zach. Zach what about it Sue what about it Deborah what about it Mary every head bowed and every eye closed if Jesus is not Lord of your life I invite you to move from where you're standing and come to this altar if you do not know Christ as personal Savior the gospel is this God sent his son because he loves you that much to die on a cruel cross buried in a tomb but to be resurrected so that you can have eternal life I want every person with a spiritual need I want you to make your way to this altar right now from across this sanctuary come on you've got a spiritual need if you need forgiveness maybe you've messed up in the last few days last few weeks come on listen there's forgiveness down here there's forgiveness down here it's all because of the blood come on come on Come on, Zach. Hey, Zach. That just happens to be my grandson's name. Hey, Zach. Hey, Zach. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Zach, won't you come? I'm not going to delay this, but just a moment. I want us to sing that, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Everyone slip your hands up. All across this sanctuary, everyone watching online.
be at this altar now. Come on, if you need to be at this altar, don't miss the moment. Jesus is passing your way. Jesus is passing your way. If you need to be here, come running. Come running. a moment I'm going to read the priestly blessing but if you're here this morning and you need healing or you need special prayer don't miss the moment Jesus is passing this way at the close after I read this priestly blessing if you need to be anointed with oil I want you to come down front and let us anoint you with oil I believe in this I believe the word of God concerning laying hands on the sick to stir up the measure of faith in you to believe God for a miracle in your life you need special prayer about anything anything you come hallelujah 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 father thank you for your forgiveness thank you for your cleansing thank you for the blood everyone to pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I confess that you are Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. Blot them out of my life. Write my name in your eternal book. Thank you that you forgive and that you cleanse and that you restore. 
And by faith, I receive your work in my life. And by faith, I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to share my faith with those around my life this week. In your name I pray. All across this sanctuary, everyone online, lift your hands from Numbers chapter 6. I watched this this week. This is powerful when you're in Israel. They believe in this prayer. They believe in this blessing. Numbers chapter 6. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, saying, This is how you're to bless my children, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee, and the Lord keep thee, and the Lord make his face to shine upon thee. The Lord be gracious unto thee, and the Lord lift up his countenance over thee, and give you his peace. You will put his name upon your family. And God says, I'll bless them. I'll bless them. Come on, let's just start giving him praise all across the sea. Come on, just give him praise. That's the word of the Lord. That's the blessing that God gave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You claim that. You walk in that. You stand in that. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Don't miss the revival service tonight, and I need 500 people to help Charlotte sign that just so she can get on the ballot. You're not voting for her. You're just saying she don't need to pay thousands of dollars to be on the ballot. God bless you in Jesus' name. Everyone that needs special prayer, come, come, come. Our prayer team, come.